seated. I'll dismiss the school age kids to the back. They're going with, looks like Miss Robin's back there. Thanks, Lyle and the band. Some of you might not recognize Lyle. He's not up here every week. He's a member of another church, but Lyle helped us start this church, was with us in the beginning, and uh, has gone several different states, led worship all over the U.S., it seems like, and now is a full-time professional counselor. So um, if you need uh, some counseling, see Lyle afterwards. He, I mean, he won't counsel you here today, but he'll make an appointment where you pay for it and get it the right way, you know? Um, no, he's a dear friend. So glad to have him here. Today's an exciting day. You're going to hear from three of my friends today. Um, we've done this a couple times already. Revelation 12 says that we overcome the evil one. Speaking of the accuser of the brethren, we overcame the evil one by the blood of the lamb, our profession of faith in Jesus Christ, and the word of our testimony. And so you're going to hear from a couple of my friends share a word of their testimony. We've been in this uh, series on following Jesus up in and out. And just to recap it for you before they come, just for a few minutes, God created us in his image and sin came and broke and distorted that. And then Jesus came to show us what God in the flesh looked like. Hebrews said he was the exact representation of the Father, the exact imprint. Jesus would come and walk and do life with us. In Matthew 11, he gives us this invitation. Matthew 11, 28. Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and burden is light. Jesus invited us to come to him. And he invited us to learn from him. When we come to Jesus, we, we understand what life is meant to be lived like. The person who has the easiest and the happiest and the strongest life is the person who walks yoked together with Christ. Only as we do that do we begin to draw strength and direction and strains out everything that is wrong in human existence. It does sometimes lead to a battle with a world gone wrong around us, but that world needs that battle, and they need us to stand steady in the easy yoke with Christ. See, I used to think to be yoked with him would, was to be put this device on and Jesus point us up that narrow road up the mountain and says, okay, tiger, go get it. But that's not what it is. A yoke was something that oxen would have been yoked together with couple oxen together and together with synergy they'd be able to pull a greater load together and this is the beauty of the gospel that Jesus says come yoke yourself with me a couple weeks ago I made some new furniture and Hudson wanted to help me carry it in well Hudson on his best day can lift about 25 pounds and so he helped me carry it in but didn't help very much if you know what I mean Really, it just makes you walk awkward around them, right? And this is, in essence, what Jesus is inviting us to. Hey, just come yoke yourself with me. Jesus is going to do all the heavy lifting. All we have to do is stay connected to him. He invites us in this very thing. Jesus modeled learning from him in three different directions. 
three directional relationships. We've talked about these the last couple of weeks up with the father in with his disciples and out towards the lost. You see it in every gospel. As you read through it, you'll see the direction. When I read through the gospels, I write it in, out, up. It's just everywhere in the margins of my Bible. This he's calling the, in with the disciples, up with the fathers. He goes to pray uh, up on with his father on the Mount of Transfiguration. In he brings, uh, you know, Peter, James, and and John with him. Immediately coming off the mountain, out as he begins to do the work of casting out the demon. It's in the little boy, up and out, up and out, up and out. And it is, it's 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 the direction in which we're invited to live into. Jesus said that the world would know that we were his disciples by our love for each other. Real love. Think about that. For So many things he could have said. They will know you're my disciples by your supernatural power to cast out demons, by your generosity and sacrificiality, no, by your preaching or praying or church planting, by your kindness, by your willingness to learn and obey, and all those things are important. But he didn't say that. He said, you will learn to be my disciple. You'll learn from me by the way you radically and sacrificially love each other. Today, we're gonna look briefly at every dimension. You get to hear a word of testimony from my friends. I want you to hear their word of testimony. I've asked Brandon Bryce, he's gonna come and share, and then Dave Deloach, and then Miss Kirsten Bryant. Then I'll be back up here to lead us in communion. I've given them eight minutes apiece. But the point is not the eight minutes. Take 10 if you need to. The point today is that we hear from the Father. See, all of us in this room need to take a different step today. For some of us, it's that connection with the Father. We need, we need to step into that connection. We've let the noise of life and just everything outside drown it out. Some of us, it's in. We've been hurt by friendships before and we've put up a wall. Even as we talked about last week, and our step today is to really to love in, to forgive, to step into vulnerability. Some of it's out. We're loving the Father. We're, we're walking in community. But you know God's put you in your workplace to share a word of testimony about what God's done to make Jesus famous in your little corner of the world. So I want you to listen with that posture of the heart. Lord, what are you, what are you telling me to do? What are you asking of me? How can we learn from him today? Y'all welcome up my friend, Brandon Bryce. Y'all can clap him in, clap him in, there we go. So, all right, thank you, Luke. Uh, praise our King Jesus, obviously, that was great. And we have been, as he said, I'm Brandon Bryce. Uh, for those of you who don't know me, up until most recently, I've been mostly in charge of chairs here at Covenant, and I am currently on a path to eldership with Luke and Jason, and I'm going to chase this stand all over this stage as well. But who I am, I am called to be, bar the words of James and Paul, is a slave to God and of Christ Jesus our Lord. And I've been given eight minutes to talk about that. And some of you have had the pleasure of sitting at the coffee table or across the dinner table from me, and you know that's probably not going to happen. Uh, but I'll try. 
So I'm going to jump straight in to the scripture, John, verse, chapter 15, and just one verse, verse 13. Greater love has no one than this, that one lay down his life for his friends. There's three, four words in there that are particularly important, love, greater, life. And friends, talk about friends at the very end. We're familiar with the word love. Luke just talked about it quite extensively. It's in this passage and throughout this chapter, it's agape love. It means to be known, beloved, dear. It's a familiar love. It's a deep love. It's the same root in the verb for love throughout this chapter and also it's where Christ restored Peter with that word, agape. It's a word for love that he uses to describe God's own love for his son. And it's most often used in the New Testament. We talk of God's love much around here in that covenant. I think I know why. It's the very attribute, it's the very characteristic of God that he has conveyed to his creatures, that he has commanded to us to walk with one another and to relate to the outside world because he first loved us. He has given us an understanding of love where, unlike love, I don't get the ability to share in his immutability, his ability to not change. I don't get to share in his omnipresence, his omnipotence, his omniscience. I don't get to try to share in how he ex executes justice and wrath. To do so would be blaspheming and absolutely impossible for me. That's why it's a love that could only be described by that second word as great or greater. In the Greek, it is megas or megas. It's used of things highly esteemed for their importance. It is used of God's preeminent blessings. I just think of things that are so lofty that are they're just very nearly incomprehensible. They're really just incomprehensible. Think of the biggest, the largest physical thing you can, the greatest physical thing that you can. Are you thinking of the Great Wall of China? Yes. Maybe the Grand Canyon. Maybe the universe. I tell you, you're thinking too small. There is a measurement of the Great Wall. The old hymn that I like to, I shared it with Luke and Jason earlier this week, says, how deep the Father's love for us, how vast beyond all measure. The Grand Canyon has a measure. You can see it drawn on the map. The universe, though we have not seen it yet, has an end. But it's not so with God's love. So great, so great that it requires a life laid down. The Greek word there is funny. It's suke. We spell it as psyche. It's more than just our life and the presence of living it's the very breath of life. 
the living soul that was used in the Bible that is described as eternal and not dissolved by death. It's the very thing God's special creatures were given. We were made in his image. We were made in the image of God's life, of his suke, of his soul. That is what Christ laid down. Hebrews 12, 2 says that he who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, an agonizing separation from God the Father so that the wretch that was me could be bathed in the righteousness of God and be able to one day see him face to face. So to say what I had to say in eight minutes, which is very nearly gone, I would tell you that John 15, 13 has further implications in the gospel for our lives than just as he's using it there for communicating his death on the cross at that time. That we are commanded to do the same. 1 John 3, 16 says, By this we know love because he laid down his life for us. And we also ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. Or how Paul says it in Ephesians 5, 1 through 2. Therefore, be imitators of God as dear agape, children, and walk in love as Christ also has loved us and given himself for us an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling aroma. But those things are hard. I promise you the last five years of our life can attest to it. That kind of sacrificial love, that kind of sacrificial life is impossible. Just like salvation, apart from the work of Christ. And it's required to be saved, to walk in that kind of love. So the last thing I have, and I'm closing, and I'll pray Again, I say greater love has no one than this, that one lay down his life for his friends. For his friends. Are you his friend? That each of us, to walk in that love, would know Christ as our Lord and Savior. Because only his great love and only his life laid down can one be called a friend. Here's what I know, and that I can tell you about that greater love, what I know that has been accomplished. I was dead in my trespasses and sin. I was doomed for a place where Jesus said there was weeping and gnashing of teeth, and a song that Kendall played for me this morning. I was Barabbas. I was the man on the other cross. But God, rich in mercy, proves his own love for us, his great love, that while I was yet, while we were yet still sinners, while you were yet still a sinner, Christ died for us. For us that we may see the face of God face to face. But only if we repent of our sins and believe that Christ died on that cross. And then such a great love was buried and rose again, now seated at the right hand of God, turning away 
our own pride in looking towards Christ who laid aside his life for us that he may save us, that we might be called his friend. Jesus Christ's death on the cross is the greatest love we will ever know. Some of us don't know it. Some of us don't understand that love. And I love you so much that I'm telling you that it's dangerous not to. But there's one, even as Christ says, he did this that we may know his joy. Not our joy, but his joy. That we would be saved from the weeping and the gnashing of teeth. So you say, Brandon, what, what do we do next? What's my next step? I tell you, it's an impossible task that was made simple by Christ's work on the cross. We repent, we believe, and we turn our eyes. We do as a good friend just told me. We look at Christ. He's our hope. Dave's going to come up in a minute before as he prepares and does i'm going to pray for us father god who is great who is our sovereign lord and savior who is faithful to love who has laid down a greater love god i know that this is was a heavy uh, but word but so important for all of us even those who believe to know and to remember your great love father that it is deep it is vast and that you gave your only son to save those in this room. We love you, Lord. We praise you. In Jesus' name. That's fancy, Jamie. I figured you did that. Yeah. For everything that's nice around here on the screens, know that that is Jamie East that she does it all, that she kind of carries it quietly, so I want to give her some props there. Thank you, Brandon. That was great, man. I love your heart for the king, your heart of a father, and uh, always studying to show yourself approved, and I just love how you chew on things and, and feed them to us. You're, you're great at that. Uh, today, I want to talk about breathing deeply in the depths, a life of looking up. Uh, a lot of y'all known me. I've been here for about I don't know, 10, 12 years. Uh, what I want to talk about is my, the part of me y'all don't know about. When I was young, my mom's here. Uh, she came to watch her son talk. That's kind of fun. Uh, only other person in the crowd that's known me that long is probably Kevin Rivett. He's known me since I was seven, wherever he is, probably back there in the back, yeah. Uh, I want to talk to you about my dad, the guy that showed me the love of Christ the first time. I want to talk to you about kind of what he put into me. And it was 6 a.m. mandatory devotional at the table that uh, was sometimes great and glorious and other times not great and glorious, as anyone who's ever tried to have a 6 a.m. devotional for their children can attest to. Uh, he groomed my theology. He made certain that I had a micro-fine grid of truth to walk through life with that I knew nothing about. Once I, I mean, I... Five years ago, it made me a, a know-it-all guy that almost failed in his marriage. Ten years ago, it made me a know-it-all guy that wanted to come and have a litmus test for a church to make sure it lived up to me and my belief system. 
30 years ago, it led to rebellion at that table. Because he taught me about God. That takes me right into uh, John 5, 39 and 40. He said to the, Jesus said to the Pharisees at the time, you search the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life. And it is they that bear witness about me, yet you refuse to come to me that you may have life. These people were strapping scripture to their forehead, okay, phylacteries. They were doing all the things for outside appearance in order to look like they had it all together and to have the knowledge of the Holy One. I knew all about God, but I had missed him completely. So what is it that set me free? There's a verse. I went to a conference with a buddy of mine named Luke Richardson. It wasn't a conference experience, but there was something that happened to me there when they explained to me the love of the Father. And it was a verse out of John 17 where he says, the same love that the Father has for me. Jesus is talking, the same love that the Father has for you, the same love that you have for me, Lord, you have also for them. And it showed me the love of the Father that I've never known before. I always thought he was some angry God and somebody had to step in and, and appease him. We killed him. This sounds so heavy. I don't want it to be heavy because this is not about heaviness. This is not. The truth that set me free was his love, just like Brandon just spoke of. Ephesians 3, 14 through 19, and the good old ESV. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with the power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have the strength. Here's, here's this is huge. I, like he was talking about the vastness of the love of God, that you may have the strength to comprehend with all of the saints what is the breadth and the length and the height and the depth, and to know the love of Christ, that love, the love of Christ that surpasses all that knowledge, that you may be filled with all of the fullness of God. So what does that do in my heart to know that I am loved by not only the Son, but by the Father, and then equipped by the Spirit and sent out? What does that do to me? What does that do in my heart as we truly see him instead of just read about him and know the scriptures and know our theology well? I was so dead, guys. I was so dead. My life was just pride. This takes me to Psalms 42, 1 and 2. It's out of the Passion Translation. I long to drink of you, O God, to drink deeply from the streams of pleasure flowing from your presence. My longings overwhelm me for more of you. My soul thirsts, pants, longs for the living God. I want to come and see the face of God. This is what we were meant for. It's just, the more we talk about this and we have like things laid down, here's the next step for you. What I want you to know is this is not more 5.30 a.m. devotions because that feels like duty. This is desire. I want to redeem the word desire in your minds because the church has almost said desire is bad. The picture of my mind is I don't need intimacy with my wife. I desire time with her. Anybody that spent 20 minutes with that girl and has seen her do the uh, salt and pepper dances in the kitchen 
and the laughter and just the fun that she is. I adore time with her. I want time with her. I want to sit across the table from her. I want to be in the room when her hands are raised high and she's spending time with Jesus. I love time with her. It's desire instead of need. And although I do need, I mean, I love and I need it. It does fill me up to be in her presence. I desire it as the deer pants for the water, so my soul longs after you. So what does this mean? What does this mean to us? How does this change our hope, our past, our future, our present? Hebrews 4 and 3, the end of 3, the first chapter, part of chapter 4, he talks about those Hebrew people that were working so hard to perform to get. And he said, they missed out on my rest. They missed out on my rest. There's one thing I'm offering you. It's not heaven. It's his rest here on earth. To walk in rest. Because life, we're, we're, we're so busy. Are you busy? Are you distracted? You held this up last week. I watched it on the podcast, but you held it up. And you're like this, distraction. Are you at rest? the last time you felt at rest? Jesus said in Hebrews, or in, well, in Hebrews chapter 4, while it's still called today, he actually says this, while it's still called today, you can find his rest so that many generations, all those generations before us have missed. And it also says, let us not harden our hearts. Because that's what he's looking for. He's looking for that tender heart that sees him, that desires time with him. He says, you will find me when you seek me with your whole heart. It's not duty, guys. It's desire. I want more of him. So what this looks like for me is sitting out on my back porch, and I turn on some music, and Luke tried to get me to do this for years. Sit there for five minutes in the quiet and just let him talk. And I'm like, what? I have to do. No, I have to do. I have to generate. No. Pause in his presence. Pause in his presence. Here's how it's available to us. While it's still called today, you can find his rest. Burn the distractions. Turn everything else off. And you can find his completed rest. Because he did it all. When he put his hands out, he said, it is finished. Not climb up here with me. He doesn't want you to do more. He just wants to walk with you, to take a walk with God in the cool of the day. As we see the Father, as I see the Father now, through that lens of Jesus, I can see a Father's love as it actually is. He says, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. So anytime I look and I want to know the Father, I have to look at Jesus because he said, if you've seen me, you've seen him. So anything I attribute to the Father that I don't see in Jesus is not the Father. I look to Jesus and I see the Father. I see his every attitude, lowly, gentle, kind, dangerously strong in order to defeat the enemy. All of these things protecting. And that's why when I hear the word wrath, I don't ever want to associate that I know it's there because if you mess with my wife, who I love, you will find my wrath, right? That's what I'm talking about. It's a holy wrath towards something that messes with his love, that gets in the way of his love. It's a different understanding, guys. It's backwards and upside down, but everything in the kingdom is backwards and upside down. He calls us now his beloved. My mom named me David Joseph. That literally means beloved, beloved. 
And that word meant nothing to me for probably 40 years until I saw that I was his beloved. Now as the Father looks back at us through the Christological lens of Jesus, he can only see us through Jesus so he sees righteousness. And this is the fun part. In this place where he sees only Jesus on us, there is no shame. No shame. I don't know what that feels like to y'all, but I know what I was capable of. It feels like no shame. And I don't have to bow down, no, with a fist like Superman I can press into the throne room of God, unashamed with the righteousness of God all around me and say, hey, this is what it feels like. It's just like rest. I'm resting and ultimately powerful in him because he is ultimately powerful and kind and gentle and lowly. There's nothing on me now but beloved identity. We can unabashedly walk directly into the throne room with our hands lifted high, walking again with God in the cool of the day. It was our sole intent from the creation. Devotion time with him then becomes true love enjoyed, just like time with my bride, true love enjoyed and bathed in instead of duty and responsibility. We can be a mile deep in his love and still breathe deeply in. 2015, I'm in a lake with Luke Allen and I almost drowned <laughs> and he pulled me out. And he's like, Dave, you can kick <laughs> if you want to. <laughs> this is laughter now. Whoo, bad Mexican food. Anyways, uh, long story. We'll talk about that later. But I know what it's like to be underwater looking up and feel like I can't breathe. And I had that nightmare over and over and over again for about six years. About two months ago, I had a dream where I was in the depths. This is how he speaks to you guys. I was in the depths and I could breathe. And I was looking around at the beauty underwater of all the things deep and I could still breathe deeply. I know it feels strange. I know I come across as a little bit like spiritual or hyper, I don't know whatever you're gonna say. I know how I would have looked at me a decade ago, but I'm telling you guys, this is it. This is that, okay, that we're looking for. We can be a mile deep in his love and still breathe deeply in. This is what time with Jesus actually looks like. This is the actual gospel, renewal, restoration. This is heaven here on earth. It is his presence here. Proximity to presence changes everything. The closer you get to the fire, the warmer you will be. If I was talking to you and you've never seen fire before, it would be like, hey, it's clear, it's invisible, you can put your hand in it and burn, but it can take out solid, solid objects. But if you've never known fire before, how can I tell you about fire? So this is those things to me, is like the fire of his presence will warm your heart. Proximity to presence changes everything. It's what changes our story. It's why we must always be ready to give an answer because, guys, when you all find his rest... You will look so different from everyone around you that when it says prepare to give an answer for the things that have changed your life, somebody's going to be asking. This city needs this. This state needs this. This world needs his rest. That is all. We're meant to walk with God in the cool of the day. We make it so complicated, and yet it's so simple. So I challenge you this. You have a fire. When Boy Scouts, we used to have a guy that tended the fire. Tend your fire. It can go out if you just get wrapped up in the distractions. 
the further you get away from life or from the fire, the cooler you're going to get. Tend your fire. Paul told Timothy, fan it into flames. Others will show up to watch you burn. Second thing, walk with God in the cool of the day and with open lifted hands reaching for a loving father. This messed with me for a long time. That is just as fascinated with you as you are with him. I remember holding my son when he was two years old or one year old or in the little nursery. And he's like, oh, look, he moved his finger. Oh, look, he's like, it's his little bitty things. Oh, look, he's walking. That's how he sees you. He's fascinated. And it's not hard to walk into the presence of a king with no shame on you. And he's fascinated with you. Shame has no power anymore. Not only are we invited into his presence, we are welcomed and expected there. And this is that fuel source for our fire. So I tell you to breathe deeply in the depths of his love. We aren't meant for a theology that's a mile wide and an inch deep, like I had all those years. We are meant for the depths of the river of his love. Start between the banks of his love at an inch wide and a mile deep. That's where I am right now this year. I'm going to go an inch wide and a mile deep. And I'm going to bounce between the banks of he loves me so much that it's unsearchable and I can crawl up in daddy's lap. When all that goes bad, I can just, he is totally approachable. And his love is unsearchable. And I just bounce back and forth between those two banks, knowing and drilling deeper. And next year, let's add another inch wide. But I can't search it, the breadth, the breadth of his love. Stay here and feast. He prepares a table for you in front of your enemies. Sit down and feast. The breath will come. All that we have read or learned will start to make sense like flowers coming out of a newly tilled garden. There's nothing lost, nothing in vain. My dad pouring that into me. Let me wrap this up. Back in those days of those mandated 6 a.m. whiteboard conversations at a kitchen table on Japonica Lane filled me full of scripture that now today when I experience his fullness, it stitches it all together. They all start to make sense. Everything that he's built in me all these years. So the equity of 40 years of his investing in me is now all coming to fruit. So those parents out there that are praying for your children, that you think it's never going to come to pass, keep praying. While doing that, no, there's nothing in vain. We are made for far deeper waters than what the Western church has offered us of consumption. It is simple as this. You must find the rest of God in order to find the rest of God. Find his rest and you'll find the rest. That said, we've said the, save the best for last. Everybody give a great round of applause for Kirsten Bryant. Thank you. I don't know about best for last, but um, good morning. I'm Kirsten Bryant, and I serve on the student ministry team here at Covenant. And this morning, I'm just so thankful that I have the opportunity to share with you guys about how the outward love of someone else truly impacted the upward love in my own life. I'm going to start with Matthew 22, 36 through 40. Teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? And he said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And a second is like it. You should love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law of the prophets. I love these verses because when I hear them, I think about how my mom lived her life. 
she received her first cancer diagnosis several years ago. And what I remember most about the day that she told us was that she wasn't scared. She wasn't fearful. She had this overwhelming confidence. Her confidence wasn't in that she thought she was guaranteed healing. That wasn't where her confidence fell. Her confidence was that she knew that God could use this disease for her to be a light in the life of others, to be a light to her doctors, to her nurses, and to her fellow patients. I remember watching her walk through this front row seat, sitting in the waiting room with her at the treatment centers. She was getting her chemo and proton therapy, and as she was sitting there, she was talking to the people within speaking distance. She was asking about their families, about their lives, about how she could pray for them. In that waiting room, she was the light of Jesus. I heard her talk to unbelieving doctors, speaking gracefully with truth and love. I saw how graciously she treated the nurses, how she was thankful for all the little things. I remember one time she literally wept because she felt like she was too grouchy to one of the nurses in the middle of treatment. I saw these things. I saw that joy, guys. And it, where I had thought that maybe she was just in denial of the state of her illness, as I watched her interact with others, I realized it wasn't her that was in a state of denial. It was me not grasping the fullness of God's love in her life. So as we walked through and I saw that joy that was completely unexplainable, it made me realize Maybe there was something missing in my walk. That maybe there wasn't the depth in my life that she had in hers. And so as I watched and I sat there, she even moved in with us. I saw as she read her Bible, it wasn't a check off the box moment. She wasn't reading and praying and doing all the things to check all the boxes and mark it off her daily agenda. She was doing it to get closer to the heart of the Father. She was seeking out his heart. She was meditating on the word so she could see the way Jesus lived and how he loved others well. She was trying to understand better the omnipotence and sovereignty of the Father. She was trying to be more sensitive to the movement of the Holy Spirit. And I realized that in that relationship where she humbly submitted herself to him, he was able to fill her with that confidence and with that joy in the midst of all the suffering and in the midst of that storm. And I just knew I wanted more of that in my life. So I began to really dig into the scripture with intentionality and purpose that I had never done before. I cried out to God every morning praying, Father, please speak to me. Open up your word. Here I am. Use me. And he did. I remember reading Matthew 7, 21 through 23 and feeling pretty terrified. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name? And then will I declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. There it was. 
biblical confirmation that my resume of all the boxes that I had checked, going to church, praying, reading my Bible, would never earn my spot in in heaven or have salvation. He just wants so much more from us than checking the boxes. I wasn't receiving that fullness of God because I wasn't walking in his will. I was walking in selfishness. And when we live in sin, that sin separates us from God. He designed us to crave communion with him. How sweet is that? That the maker of the universe designed our hearts, hardwired our hearts to want and desire an intimate connection with him. When we live outside of that upward connection, our focus shifts from the creator to the created. My favorite author, Paul David Tripp, writes, We were made by the Lord and for the Lord, so nothing in the created world will ever satisfy the deepest hunger in our hearts. So if we turn to people, if we turn to our selfish needs, if we turn to things to fill that place that was designed specifically for God, we'll be left completely unfulfilled. And that's where I had been at that moment. I felt unfulfilled. I felt distant. But thankfully, our story doesn't end there. My story didn't stop there. Through the mercy of the Father and the sacrifice of Jesus, I am and we all can and are able to repent when we fall short. We can come to him in a posture of humble submission. We can confess our sins and through his grace, through his mercy, through his unlimited power, he can change our hearts forever. We just have to bear ourselves to him. We have to come to him. We have to ask him to search our hearts and find those barriers that keep us from that deep connection. Psalms 51, 1 and 2 says, Have mercy on me, O God. According to your unfailing love, according to your great compassion, blot out my transgressions. Wash away all my iniquity and cleanse me from sin. Guys, he is faithful to do that if we come to him with a heart that is bare and authentic. Through that upward love of the Father, we develop a need to show outward and inward love as well. Although my mom's illness was heartbreaking and I miss her terribly, I'm so thankful that I had the opportunity to see her live and love others and God so well. So, As you go through your week, I would encourage you to really reflect on your relationship with God. Are you just checking boxes, or are you seeking out the heart of the Father? Jeremiah 29, 13, it says, You will seek me and find me when you seek me with with all your heart. So seek him first, guys. His plan and purpose for your life is so much better than anything you can imagine on your own. So that's really all I had for you guys this morning. I'm not usually a crier. You can ask my people. This is rare. So I'm going to pray us out, and then Luke is going to come up and, and talk. Father God, we are so thankful that you love us. We're thankful for the people you put in our lives that can point us closer to you. God, we just pray that our hearts are open and moldable so that you can shape us into who you want us to be, so that we can shine for you and for your kingdom. In Christ's name we pray.
Amen, amen. Thank you very much. Wasn't that incredible? What a word. Every time we hear the word of God and we hear a testimony of God's faithfulness, the ball's back in our court for what we're going to do with it. As I said earlier, the invitation to all of us is a step. What step are we going to take? Those of you who've walked with God in this room for 50, 60 years, there's a step for you to take today. Because walking with Jesus, discipleship in his image, is never finished. It's never about perfection. It's just always about the direction and posture that we are headed. And so I want to offer you that very step today, to take a step upward. Some of you don't know the Father, don't know the love of the Father. You might know the truths about him, even as we talked about last week, but you don't know him. I pray today, even as Kirsten read the passage, that you would seek him. It's okay, just right where you're at, just to ask him, God, will you speak to me? Some of you don't know the love of other people that's unhindered, without posturing. You've never really been loved. Maybe that's a step you take today, to extend love. Maybe it's forgiveness that's with, that you've withheld that you love. Maybe it's that outward focused. You know, I got to go to Kirsten's mom's celebration as she passed from this world onto the next. And I told you then, it was the best funeral I'd ever been to. It was incredible. Everyone missed her. But a life well lived like that, that's what I want my funeral to look like. Just, there's no doubt that she just graduated from this life into the presence of Jesus. Then we're going to take communion. Communion is this beautiful practice that the Lord gave us. In 1 Corinthians 11, the Apostle Paul says this, instructing the church on communion. For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, Paul says, that the Lord Jesus on the night he was betrayed took bread When he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he also took the cup after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat the bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes again. Do you see all three directions, the upward we're remembering the love of God, even as Brandon talked about how greater love has no man than this, that he give his life for his friends. Could there be a greater love? And then the inward, we see it even here that we're sharing symbolically the same loaf as a faith family together, that we're all participating. What brings us together is that we share the same blood. And then outwardly, proclaiming the Lord's death until he comes again. We're telling the world there's hope if you will just turn and trust him. I want to pray for us, and I invite you to pray silently right where you're at and examine your heart. We're going to worship here in a minute. Our communion servers are already at their stations. It would be pastoral malpractice for me not to invite you to join the family of God today. For those who are outside looking in, I implore you, I invite you to take a step of faith today. Would you trust God? For those of you who've come, your hearts are so heavy. 
Would you just invite Jesus into that today? Maybe you've just been trying to carry that burden all on your own. God, we invite you to dwell among us. Would you manifest your presence even here and now as we take communion? Would you fill our hearts and our minds with a true vision of you? Jesus, thank you for your death on the cross as payment for my sin. also that you just didn't die for my sin but you rose again and you offer me abundant life even now it's in your mighty name that we pray amen please some people our prayer team in the back if you'd like to pray with someone our communion stations are open uh, at our church you don't have to be a member here to participate in communion but scripture outlines that you do need to be part of God's family so if there's ever been a time in your life where you've stepped across the line of faith and I encourage you to uh, participate in communion with us. If you're new here, we just take the bread out of the bowl and dip it in the cup. And if that's a little weird for you, we have the little private ones you can just take and take back to your seats. Um, but take this time, examine your own hearts. Thank God for what he's done through Christ and uh, ask him what step he's leading you to take. Do what he leads you to do.